Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, thanks for joining me again. Good to have you along. And today I'm really looking forward to my conversation with Dina Bayasanova. Dina is a PhD and is co-founder and CEO of the skills-based talent marketplace PitchMe. Dina is a thought leader in the future of work industry and is involved as a mentor at the Exeter Entrepreneurship Society and at King's College in London. She's done a number of speaking workshop events such as the entrepreneur.com business startup and the TED Talk LSE events. Numerous awards, including the Rising Star Awards, uh, Young Professional of the Year, MIT Inclusive Innovation Challenge, and plenty more. So, Dina, you've been very busy, but you've been very kind to take some time out today. So, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Van, for having me today. Yeah. Uh, and you are in sunny London, is that right? In boiling sunny London. Boiling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're making me homesick for the hot Australian sun now. <laughs> So, yeah, good to have you along. And before we get into Pitch Me, which is a, it's a fascinating business, do you want to just give us a quick background and, and particularly what led to the formation of the business and what drove you to create this thing? So my initial background is in finance. I have spent 12 years working in oil and gas industry, uh, supervising the mergers and acquisitions, risk assessments, and so on. So I have been heavily involved in different um, societies and young professional organizations. I was leading the Young Professional Network in London for energy professionals, which connected around 6,000 people who wanted to make their way into the sector. And this is where I first encountered or witnessed the problem that so many talented and gifted people have been joined by this uh, passion to the oil and gas sector, and they all have been struggling to, to find a job. Because the and the reason for that was they were struggling to pass the screening, initial screening process. Uh, later on, I had also become employer myself. I was uh, hiring uh, teams for companies we invested in with, with my previous fund I was working at. So I witnessed the problem from both sides. And uh, being curious by nature, I decided to dig deeper into this because this is one of the richest sectors. And I thought that those guys definitely have money for recruiting. So why it's all broken. <laughs> so me and my future co-founder, uh, we have run a quite sophisticated market research, interviewed hundreds of candidates, hundreds of companies, and spotted really three major problems at that time. So the first one is that modern professionals are non-linear people. So they acquire skills not only via traditional employment or education, there are so many means of different uh, skills acquisitions. And uh, the reason they struggle is because they were struggling to present the full potential of the full spectrum of their knowledge and experience using this format of A4 paper. So the, the first problem that we summarized is CVs are rudimental. So the second problem that we observed that businesses at that time and even now, uh, even more nowadays, are um, 
working in a fast-paced environment. So if the recruitment need uh, occurred, it means that the person was needed yesterday. So businesses have to wait eight or 12 weeks in order to find the right uh, person. And it usually affects all business uh, processes, potential revenue and the business growth. So misfit between uh, business needs and the overall kind of like recruitment uh, recruitment speed and the last but not the least is that traditional recruitment process relying on traditional screening and assessment methods haven't been really doing a good job for uh, people who, who are coming from non-office backgrounds and by those we mean career shifters people without education or people with uh, non no really relevant experience and so on and so forth so there are quite a huge gaps that uh, we have identified. And this is how the overall Pitch Me idea was born. We decided to address those gaps. Nice. And if if you look through the the Pitch Me website, you'll see lots of interesting statistics or numbers on changes and impacts you're making. Some is on the speed to hire. I thought that was very interesting, just basically accelerating the process to make it a lot faster. Uh, and also on the inclusiveness or removing biasness. Can you biases? Can you describe that aspect as well? Yes. So uh, when we talk about the diverse and inclusive hiring, we are not only talking about removing gender and nationality or uh, any subjective biases related to personality, which is actually core. We also try to remove biases which have been inherited in hiring in general. So this is a bias towards education or relevant employment experience before, or um, similar career track. So all of those um, kind of like aspects which prevent people, uh, career shifters or people who who are uh, coming from non-obvious backgrounds getting into into the right job. So the way PeachMe is addressing it, we do anonymous initial matching. So the overall design of our profiles that we create for candidates is uh, far going far away from a traditional look of a CV. So we present initial presentation of candidates is based around skills. So we um, make employers and recruiters focus on the core professional skills, personal skills fit into the team and culture and then comes the rest employment history education history and so on and so forth but when our initial matching happens uh, recruiters don't know who this person is so we don't only anonymize the contact details and uh, name and uh, surname we also uh, make the profile picture of the person almost unrecognizable. So, and uh, this does a good job. So we see multiple different results and we are expanding our development into the diverse and inclusive hiring. Nice. I've certainly been involved in hiring processes where the hiring manager looking through a bunch of CVs notices that this one particular applicant played in the same sports club that they did years ago, not even same time or anything, but just, oh, wow, they must be good. So, yeah, I I like that uh, anonymizing process. For employers, how does that actually work? What are they, are they logging in and seeing stuff? Are they downloading spreadsheets? How, How does it work from their perspective? 
So for employers, it's uh, pretty much straightforward. So employers who are coming for the lead generation and coming to look for candidates, they're usually landing on our marketplace. Uh, they post a position uh, using either uh, already existing text or link uh, on the published vacancy, or they can use our job description generator tool, which is pretty cool and uh, straightforward, um, kind of like text generator of the ad. Um, they post a job. And they instantly get ranked and shortlisted candidates from our pool of more than 300,000 uh, people in our database um, at this particular moment. So instantly they get shortlisted and ranked candidates based on the requirements. So as I mentioned, it's not only fit into the role itself. So we are not only matching hard skills, we are also trying and um, trying to ensure there is a team and culture fit. So we're matching soft skills, personality type, ideal work environment of a person. So this this what enables us to speed up the initial screening process because we um, included this uh, sections or we included this information in the pre-screening stage, which is quite unique. You would expect it to be done in the third or the fourth stage of recruitment process. Excellent, excellent. And what about the user experience for the candidates themselves? Are they uploading CVs? Are they entering forms? How, how does it work for them? So we have been initially candidate focused and we wanted to improve this tedious uh, and routine process of job applications when you need to submit uh, forms over and over again. So candidates have to register only once on the platform and uh, we are working with their digital sources related to them. So instead of passing questionnaires, application forms or submitting resume, uh, we ask them to provide links to what they consider relevant about themselves. It can be professional websites, social media websites, it can be portfolio and even uh, publications or online gaming websites. And uh, we take the data, big data from the uh, sources, uh, we take images, text, videos, and so on, and we convert those sources, uh, that data into the measured and validated uh, skills profiles. So this is not only a new type of professional identity that we help to develop for candidates, it's also a very interesting process, a gamified process of looking how your digital footprint contributes to your professional identity. I love it. I love it. Brilliant. And um, so take us back then to the interview process when you're doing the research phase. So you're interviewing employers and candidates, but you mentioned hundreds of interviews. Um, So what kinds of questions were you asking both sides, employers and candidates? And then secondly, how did you manage that process with hundreds? How did you, I don't know, plan it out and then conduct them and and, and pull uh, insight from all of that data? Right. So um, let's let's take it from from the basics. So how we initially planned this research and how we all managed to get hundreds of companies participating. So first of all, of course, we utilized me and my co-founder. We utilized our network, and again, I mentioned that I had been heavily involved in the Energy Institute uh, Society. So obviously, I had an advantage to to reach out to to companies working in the oil and gas sector. And then it was just kind of like a snowball. So referral after referral, uh, people decided to spread the word and help me with the word of mouth to get in front of uh, many many different companies. 
And our initial focus was, of course, on the hiring decision uh, makers. So we initially have been looking for people um, who were participating in the later stages of interviews. Uh, but then our uh, pool of respondents obviously expanded to recruiters, to uh, hiring manager, uh, to HR managers or to HR departments. And later on, we also had samples of recruitment agency um, managing directors and so on. So our uh, scope of uh, or spectrum of respondents really, really expanded. So we have been initially focused or we have been really interested to understand, um, first of all, what are the stages of the recruitment process are? What are the key uh, metrics they are measuring, kind of like passing a candidate from one stage to another stage, and what they have been trying to evaluate at each particular stage of the screening process. And uh, one of the main outcomes, uh, despite of all of those three hypotheses that we are addressing right now, uh, one of the main outcomes was that this long recruitment process can, uh, can be simplified if multiple aspects of personality of skills can be assessed uh, during one meeting or during a one call or during the one stage of the of the process and um, recruiters and employers at the time complained that they are like lacking these tools or lacking the knowledge how to to screen more how to uh, utilize the modern technology and how to kind of like uh, turn it uh, into the benefit uh, from, uh, yeah, to, for, for the recruitment uh, benefit. So this is, this is the main issue they raised. And um, this, the second one, there was a definitely mismatch, always mismatched, mentioned from the role description or ideal candidate envisioned by hiring manager and the pool of uh, applications uh, the company was receiving. So we, it also became obvious that uh, the basic root cause of the whole problem, it's not just CV uh, only, it's also the way uh, employers writing job descriptions. So this is why job description generator was uh, built by PeachMe as well. So there were quite a lot of uh, hints or there was quite a lot of pains that we observed during those interviews. But the problem with recruitment market, uh, we started this business three years ago, that it hasn't been massively disrupted for many, many, many years. Mm. So people have been recruiting 60 years ago, and they still do the recruitment in, uh, in that particular way, like looking at the uh, CVs and resumes of people. So uh, this is why I think uh, HR tech is one of the most booming markets at this particular moment of time. Got it. Brilliant. So speaking of the HR tech market and so on, um, what are you doing to expand now? I know you, you secured funding uh, a little while back, which is fantastic um, on, the, on the VC side. In terms of growth, how do you plan to expand the business? Because any business, whether it's tech or consulting, it starts off with that network that you described. So leveraging friends, contacts, that, that network to make introductions and things like that. How do you plan to scale past that personal level? 
So PeachMeal already has more than three and a half thousand uh, employees and companies who are using um, our services Brilliant. and more than 300,000 candidates who created profiles. So I can tell you how we reached this stage. Yeah. And of course, it all started with, uh, with your network. It all started with um, approaching your contacts. Uh, the second thing that we have been doing on the side um, well, we were trying to actively sell on the one hand side, but on the other hand side, we were also doing product validation surveys. So we have we never stopped actually researching the market. And um, when we were doing these validation surveys, it helped us to prove, first of all, the hypothesis of the product market fit. The second one, the need or the pains that we have been addressing. And the third one um, about the pricing, the go-to-market, the channels people have been uh, using in order to look for our like similar solutions like PeachMe and so on. So, um, down the line, it was very important for us to understand what channels will work for us. So once we received our initial funding a couple of years ago, we invested in multiple different channels and we tried, um, I don't know, social media websites, we tried advertising, we tried offline events and many, many, many more. So we have been prepared to burn some cash in order to identify what works for us and what doesn't. So when we identified that uh, marketing mix um, and this mix of channels that uh, brings PeachMe uh, the relevant leads and relevant uh, potential customers, then we started focusing on the unit economics. So we have been working on improving the cost of acquisition, the conversion uh, rates, and so on and so forth. So only then, at, this, at that particular stage, we uh, had our first marketing uh, hires done before everything was done internally by me and my co-founders and our early early hires which were wearing multiple hats and um, I think this is when you have a turning point in the business so when your uh, user uh, or your user persona matches your buyer persona and you see this consistent trend uh, that these are the similar type of companies, similar size, or they have similar decision processes. This is where you say, okay, fine, I found my marketing uh, mix first. And the second, probably I spotted my um, uh, go-to-market strategy. And this is where you just uh, keep keep scaling. So you invest in, in the channels which had proven their efficiency, but we have also never stopped exploring new uh, new channels like TikTok, like Snapchat, like YouTube channels, like podcasts and so on and so forth. So the market is very competitive. So you need to be uh, on the edge pretty much every day. Absolutely. That's great advice. So for people listening to that, the, some, some scenarios I see sometimes is where a company comes to me and says, well, we, we want to be on, I don't know, Snapchat, as you say, or we, we just wanted to do events only or this or that and they go for one thing but uh, the strategy you were describing there is no no take a step back gather all, all that data look for the common threads and insights and so on but also then have a plan whereby you are testing out a variety of different channels and opportunities uh, don't throw the whole house on the line for that one but test and measure a bunch of different things and then see which ones slowly come to the fore, which, you know, if you look at the, the Pareto principle of the 80-20 rule, 80% will probably be driven by 20% of the activities there. So once you've got that, 
it's then saying, all right, we know what probably are our winners. Let's improve the conversion rates and start to scale up and add more fuel to that fire. Is that a, a, a fair summary? Yes, correct. And um, what, what were the typical 80-20 you know, main areas that worked for you? Well, so, uh, of course, this is uh, advertising. So uh, advertising channels have proven their efficiency. What, but Google advertising- or something? Uh, keywords, yes, yeah. and PeachMe already has its own keywords that are uh, making us rank like top four in, in Google search. Excellent. So we have invested quite a lot in, in the CEO, SEO strategy to help us with, with mm-hmm. keyword performance. So the second one is um, advertising on social media for, for PeachMe, obviously LinkedIn is number one. Uh, then we tried Facebook, we tried Reddit. So so all of those channels seems to, to be working really well. Uh, the, if we talk about the content type uh, that, that converts uh, best, so first of all, it's, of course, thought leadership. So it's uh, not only uh, publications, uh, PR publications, but it's also blogs that we are running. It's also um, our personal, my and my co-founder's personal uh, websites and LinkedIn pages. Um, and last but not the least, we are also product driven. So every single feature that we are launching goes on product hunt and uh, product hunt helps us with, with a wider exposure. And uh, definitely we gain quite a lot of trust there. That's really clever. So every new feature you test out first on product hunt. So if you know uh, people listening, if you don't know a product hunt, it's a, a website or a platform where people can offer up new products or sometimes even courses and resources and then people can vote them up and um, that's clever on the uh advertising so you tried a bunch of different things uh linkedin obviously very strong you said did facebook work for you advertising there Facebook works in terms of candidates, of course, uh, but we are more focusing on B2B acquisition at this moment. And so not not advertising there so much, more on the LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm curious, I mean, you mentioned content thought leadership, but one thing that you do have, which you've mentioned previously in this discussion, is a very cool um, job description generator, which is a, a clever thing because it's a, it's a real pain point for anyone in an HR role or whatever in a business, they've got to get that annoying thing done um you've kind of put that front and center in your conversation and probably in some of your marketing even on your website it's quite prominent what led you to produce that rather than you know 100 other things you could have done well, we were very selfish. So one of the metrics we saw, uh, efficiency metrics, is that we perform, we performed well for the roles which had been written well uh, on, on our website. So we obviously underperformed and uh, left uh, recruiters unhappy if they had been posting irrelevant or poorly written uh, job descriptions. So we have been trying to solve our own problem. Uh, and uh, the job description generator was born as a result of um, our data that we already possessed um, on, on PeachMe. And also we, are, we have quite sophisticated data science team. So what they did, they studied millions and millions of job descriptions uh, for variety of uh, roles. I mean, initially for digital roles, but now we're expanding this product into different sectors. So we started millions of d- job descriptions and we came up with it's not templates it's uh, not a pre-cooked text so all of those texts which are 
resulting uh, as an exercise of this job description uh, generating are um, customized. So what, what is the result of this uh, exercise? That we have uh, clouds of skills associated with each particular job title. Uh, and they range by seniority, by years of experience required and so on. So we have this uh, clusters of skills that we suggest employers or uh, recruiters who are using this job description generator uh, based on the frequency uh, of mentioning. So they wouldn't be forgetting to mention one skill uh, by after mentioning another one. So if we talk about the, I don't know, UX designer, there's always tools which go kind of like hand in hand, but they, for, they are, keep forgetting to mention them. And it's also related to soft skills. So what soft skills or what personality should you be looking at when you're looking for a great uh, or senior designer or junior designer? It's going to be completely different skill set. So we kind of like help uh, not to forget core, but we also give hints on, on what should have been mentioned if you mentioned one thing already. And uh, that improved, first of all, it's, it improved the speed of writing uh, the job description posting as on the platform, but now it became a standalone product. So it's free to use. So anyone who comes on the marketplace can generate this text and take it uh, anywhere they want and uh, kind of like use uh, however they want it. Uh, what we are trying to, to do is to help both sides really. So not only helping with CV side, but also with the job description. That's so clever. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the SaaS world and the online world, one of the, the key things when people have trials and new customers is you want to get them using the product as soon as you can. And the, the faster they do that and the, the, the sooner they learn how to use it and feel comfortable with it, the, the more likely they'll stick around and keep playing. But in your case, it's you need to make sure that they get some wins and get some wins early. So you make it very easy for them by doing it through this method. So I think that's brilliant. And the other thing is um, for people listening, it's a, an example of, of engineering as marketing. So creating a tool or a product which can be used as a marketing tool. So um, in the consulting space, it might be employee turnover calculators, which is a just a questionnaire, a quiz or something like that with some variables and some calculations, which produces that ROI or the turnover thing but very, very powerful. And I, I love the fact that you've just pulled, again, so much data and research into it. It's not just a little <laughs> bunch of variables and combine it into a little uh, template thing, as you say. No, it's it's much bigger than that. Um, before I let you go, I'm just, I'd love to get your advice things you've done so much and done so well. Um, your advice for other companies, particularly in the HR space, who are looking to uh, acquire more B2B customers, employers. What, what's your advice to them? Well, so... We are geeks by nature. You already spotted it, right? <laughs> so uh, my first advice is research your audience, research your market. So without talking to your customers daily, without talking not even to, to the customers, that's ideal case, uh, but talking to the uh, potential customers or ideal buyers, in your opinion, how do they search for tools? How do they make or vet uh, certain products they come across? Uh, how they make decisions? How much are they willing to pay for a solution which is going to be addressing that particular problem so having the market intelligence and the user intelligence that's a core without knowing where you can um 
come across your potential customer, you, you can build effective marketing strategy. So that's the first one. Second of, uh, second of all, think about short-term and long-term wins. So sometimes it's not really obvious uh, what will win in the longer term. So, for example, PR is always undervalued <laughs> because it's really difficult to measure the return of investment. But if you are a no-name brand and you are just taking the product, innovative product on the market, you need to gain credibility and trust. If you don't have uh, customers who are happy to give you a quote or who you can use as a case study yet, uh, PR can turn um, and make you, uh, the decision-making process uh, really favorable for you. So you can win your competitors if you have um, presence or you have mentions in top tier media. And the last but not the least, um, plan your marketing budget right. So when you spotted one channel, try to optimize it. So don't uh, think that if you will burn uh, three times more cash in this channel without optimizing its conversion or unit economics, you're going to win. No, it actually becomes harder uh, when you grow. So every channels you thought are going to be using for you become more and more expensive. So you always need to balance your expectations, your cash and the return of investments. Brilliant. Great advice. So one more thing around that, that research. People listening to this, I'm sure, have done projects where they've interviewed potential customers or their market. How do you prevent the situation where you hear the answers you want to hear or, or come to the, the ending that you want to get to? Well, so first of all, it's the design of this interview. So sometimes what I witnessed, uh, people design questions in the way they are receiving desirable answers. Mm. So you need to keep your questions as open uh, uh, and as bias-free as possible. Don't give hints to your respondents uh, how to answer this. Second, um, when you spotted some inconsistency or someone gave you not the answer that you expected, try to dig deeper because this is actually where the uh, truth is and this is what helps you to distinguish or expand your uh, pool of respondents. So you should be talking more to, to the customers who are giving you new insights rather than uh, potential customers who are giving you very obvious questions and just confirm your hypothesis. So we are always digging deeper where we come across something non-obvious or unusual or new to us. And the last but not the least, all the questions that we ask, they have to be very, very specific and they have to come to a defined and measurable answer. So if you are asking very broad questions, you're going to get um, kind of like an essay written out of this but the outcome of this interview should be is there is a problem how this problem is getting solved right now how much are they paying for this problem if you bring this new solution on the market uh, how would they be expecting it to solve the problem which already is getting solved somehow and how how much are they willing to pay for this so this is kind of like the ultimate five or six questions I'm just giving away for, for free, which can form any type of the product validation uh, call or a survey. But then on top of this, you obviously bring industry-specific questions or company-specific questions. 
I love it. That's excellent advice. And thank you also for the previous answer around the, you know, the planning out the marketing and so on. And, and yes, if you get a win in a particular channel, just adding more budget to it won't necessarily, if you double the budget, it won't necessarily produce double the, the results here. So it can get more expensive, more complicated. So optimization is so important. Last question is if in two parts, really, for people listening to this, who are your ideal customers or, or people you want uh, arriving at PitchMe? Uh, and then secondly, how can people learn more? So our ideal customer uh, is very broad persona, but usually they're united by one prob problem. It's um, increasing hiring need. So we are not limiting ourselves to a certain sector or a certain industry. Uh, in general, we have companies which are hiring uh, intensively um, during the year. So this is, this is our favorable customer. We work a lot with recruitment agencies and we help them uh, winning more customers or optimizing their budgets and uh, time. And last but not the least, we work with enterprise customers as well. Uh, we are integrated into the HR uh, software. So we are not only a standalone kind of like marketplace solution, we can also operate as a SaaS business. Uh, how to find more about PeachMe? Uh, first, by visiting peachme.co website. Second one, I will be happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. So uh, Dina Besanova on LinkedIn, please follow and send the request. Friend request. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, yeah, pitchme.co and also Dina's uh, LinkedIn profile. We'll have that in the show notes. But Dina, it's, it's amazing. You built an amazing platform there and it's, it seems to be going so well. So thank you very much for joining me today and all the best with it in the future. Thank you, Ben. It was lovely to have a chat with you. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.